This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. And that's why I want to get to this paragraph, which stood out to me along those lines, because let's take it back to the football field. You say Williams is a quick processor. He makes quick decisions. He has quick hands. That's a quick catalyst to next level success. The biggest significance for a team like the Bears, Williams quickness could allow their offense to function and thrive with the quick passing attack in ways it never could with Justin Fields at the controls. Dan, I think that paragraph summarizes the biggest reason why so many of us are convinced why moving on makes sense. It's not that Justin Fields is a bad quarterback or that he you can't win certain games and maybe in a division with him, but there's just a speed at which he doesn't necessarily operate that elite quarterbacks do. And Caleb Williams, based on observation, based on evaluation, has that quickness. Well, okay, so there's two parts of this. Number one, um, it's just the idea of the, of the mission here. And I had a coach tell me uh, earlier in the week that if the Bears decided to trade the number one pick and stick with Justin Fields, they'd be fine. And so they'll be fine. And then he said, do you want to be fine or do you want to be great? Mm-hmm. You know, and so and that, and so that, that this is the chance to upgrade. It's the chance to get a guy who does things at a higher level than Justin Fields has. And that's okay, you know, to chase that and to go after that and to work with it. I found that passage that you just read there notable because um, you do think about some of the struggles, particularly in the early years in, in, in year one and year two, where Justin Fields couldn't catch a snap and throw an accurate pass to the outside for a bubble screen. You know, there were those games where you'd be like, man, there were two completions that that sailed into the sideline or or made the receiver adjust to the point where he was tackled immediately. And all of a sudden you've got those instances that add up where over 38 career starts, you only average 174 passing yards per game people think Caleb has the ability to, to just you know he's so quick in this regard that, that you can bake in 45 passing yards for him before the game ever starts just by doing some of this quick game concept you know that should help him produce which should then help him get confidence which should then help the wheel to really turn there David and so you know I, the other part of this I, I want to bring this up because I've taken some heat on the social media channel um, for a comment that ESPN's Matt Miller made about how Caleb's greatest gift is kind of stringing a defense along and holding the ball to the last possible second before finding a receiver and throwing it. And people going, isn't this what you hammer Justin Fields for, for, for three years? No, it, it's, it's the ability to kind of have that defense on a string to get outside the pocket, to be in full control, to have that quarterback feel that innate instinct on, okay, how long? So you see it with Mahomes all the time. You know, sometimes Patrick Mahomes makes a 14-yard run just by kind of scrambling calmly, seeing it with his eyes, having people so terrified on the back end. And then he takes off, runs for 14, gets a first down. And it's not anything nearly as electric as Justin Fields does, but it's what quarterbacking in this league means. And so that's kind of kind of where I stand with that. It's also the purpose of that example, from the way I understood it, was that, okay, this is what he does that, that, that illustrates how instinctive he can be. He waits, he waits, and he waits just long enough until he can deliver the ball because he knows he's going to get rid of it and he's going to deliver it exactly where he needs to go. That's a big difference. It, there's a big difference between that and holding on to the ball too long so you take a sack 
right. or you don't throw it when exactly the guy is open and you wait to over, you know, until it's, you can't make the completion. So I think that people might be just looking for something there. And, and I just don't think there's anything really to see because it was a compliment about the way Caleb Williams can improvise and wait and bait people into situations that he can exploit. And Justin, listen, like we know what he was as a scrambling runner and how electric that was, but we were still middle of the way into season three, still trying to get that, that, you know, incremental growth that the coaching staff inside the building talked about as a scramble and throw guy, you know, and Caleb is really good at that. And he's really good at feeling things in the pocket. The one concern that has been consistent is, does your big playability on the move become too much of a crutch, particularly in your early years where rather than taking something that's that's kind of right in front of you, you, you try to drag a play out and you try to, to, to get on the move and, and you, you just kind of, you know, almost impede your growth and development because you're leaning on something that, you know, works, you know, and we all have that in areas of our life where you're like, OK, you know, this is something I can lean into, um, but I probably need to challenge myself to get better at the things that are going to make me really, really good at what I do. And so that, that's going to be a challenge for Caleb. Nice thing about Caleb Williams, at least uh, as it pertains to your Caleb Confidential on ChicagoTribune.com, there are concerns that obviously about his emotional maturity. There will be concerns uh-huh. about or questions regarding, you know, his sensitivity and, and things like that. And the fact that he can be uh, in, in the eyes of some critics of Caleb Williams, a little bit of a diva. How does that perception how will that be affected by his decision not to submit to medical testing, not to throw, not to do things and come to uh, the combine and really not fully participate in a way that certainly he has a right to, but people will say, well, that just, yeah, okay. See, he's not, if he he doesn't have anything to hide, why is he playing games this way? How, How would you address people that wonder if that is an example of the emotional maturity that critics use against him? Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. That's not an example, but it's a, a, a poignant topic because, first of all, like I, I don't, you know, have any problems with him not doing the on-field throwing portion of these things because most people in the league understand who he is in that regard, and so you know those drills are for guys that aren't going to be picked one, two, or three, <laughs> you know, and then guys that want to improve their stock and go out there and do some things. Caleb will throw it as pro day um, in an at-home setting uh, on March 20th, I believe it is, in Southern California, and that will be an opportunity for for people to see him throw there. No big deal there. The pulling out of medical testing is only a concern to me in regards to is this a trend of trying to buck the system, you know, and, and trying to, to, to create a new set of rules for yourself with everything you do. And, and you know, like, look, he, he can answer that for teams. He can tell them why why he's choosing to do that. But the pushback question will be, look, like, I get it. You want to kind of challenge norms at times and, and try to be a guy who is a trailblazer in, in certain ways, but th- th- there is a certain point where the system is the system and adhering to it is going to be the quickest way uh, to success in some ways. And so the, the question I'd be asked is how many of these different things along the way do you plan on doing your own way? Because if it becomes dozens and dozens, well, then it becomes something where 
um, you know, you're going to, you're going to draw scrutiny from, from teammates eventually in your locker room that, that are, are going, well, wait a second. Like, what, why is this dude trying to go do everything his way when we've all had to do it a certain way forever? Um, that's where, where I would at least ask some questions in this upcoming process on the emotional maturity part. I think it's more so like, look, man, if you lose a, a, a game where you blow a 21 point lead in the fourth quarter, for example, how do you handle that? You know, are you as, as tough minded, uh, and thick skinned as John Fields was, we've talked forever about how that was a gift that he's had for three years, the ability to reset, the ability to be hardened and tough and mature when the whole world is watching you. I'll give you an example on, you know, just from, from my world where I wake up on Wednesday morning and there is a story from Kalen Kaler on the athletic about Caleb Williams's um, family and, and the dad and, and business arrangements and that the Pete Thamel article comes out an hour later. It was a reminder. Colleen and Kane and I talked about it that like, look like the whole, this is a different dude here. You know, the whole world is going to be watching him for a long time, you know? So there's going to be a story about you written every single day that you're the Chicago quarter, Chicago bears quarterback. And do you have the stamina and emotional maturity to go through that um, on days where you're a little bit moody? Can you handle it gracefully? You know, can you avoid creating a headline? Can you avoid um, making comments that then become that week's story? You know what I mean? These are all things that go into play in the position. And then most importantly, if you're in a period of struggle, um, as it was phrased to me, can you keep your bull bleep from leaking into other people's bull bleep, you know, and, and can the locker room be a place where people don't need to worry about uh, things that are bothering you, where they can just go to work and be ready to, to charge, uh, charge their batteries off of you? Did you think the athletic story and the ESPN.com story uh, were pretty polar opposite of one was raising questions about yes. all that Caleb Williams will bring to the table in terms of baggage and high maintenance drama. Yes. The other one was him directly addressing the baggage and high maintenance drama uh, with his own voice, which I think we hadn't heard before. So I did think the timing was somewhat strategic and I wonder how they planned that or was it a pure coincidence? Because I do think it was impossible to ignore the fact that they were very, very contrasting portraits of the same guy. Listen, it's purely coincidental, and, and but it, but for me, it's telling because like you know, like I was eighty five percent of the way done with the piece that launched at Chicago Tribune this morning, and you do that because strategically, you're like, okay, I've got to launch something on Caleb Williams during Combine Week, and I did, you know, a, a, a significant amount of that string gathering before I got here with with phone calls prior to that, and then added to it over the last few days, and you you, you just kind of want to have that. Well, obviously. Pete and Kalen had their plans of, of marking their territory on the Caleb Williams story this week. And it's just an example of, again, the, the national eyes that are going to be on the Chicago Bears that have not been on the Chicago Bears in a long time. The, the Chicago market is hard enough. Well, now you are going to be a national story. You know what I mean? And that's why I bring those examples up, because if you guys think you got sick of hearing about uh, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Well, Caleb Williams in 2024 is going to be an every week story. The NFL schedule makers are going to look at, at, at opportunities to put them in prime time, right? You know, the, 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 all of this is going to be a part of your existence that you have to acknowledge first and then plan for. The two men in the building, uh, three men, I'll say that that I, I really trust on this level to be forward thinking and prepared are, you know, Ryan Poles, Matty Berflus and, and Kevin Warren and trying to understand like, OK, this is going to be unique, you know, and we better 
acknowledge it as unique and have a plan for, for managing this. Because if you don't, uh, it's going to get exhausting for a lot of people really quickly. And, and so, I mean, you, you know, you, you've been around media circuses before, you know, this is going to be a bit of a media circus for a while and you better have, again, the tent poles to hold up the big top. Any scuttlebutt, any rumblings, speculation about how his meeting with the bears went, how he connected with anybody in the room, I can see him, as you said, clicking with Ryan Poles. They do have kind of somewhat similar personalities from the outside, uh, observationally speaking. I don't know about Matt Eberflus and Caleb Williams. I don't know if it matters because the connect, he's the head coach and the quarterback. It's not the same kind of you know symbiosis you necessarily need if Matt Eberflus is calling the offensive plays and, and designing the defense. I just wonder – uh, if you've heard anything about those dynamics and if you think it matters much how he does get along with his head coach. It does. Um, and not directly. I haven't heard anything. But but from what I shared at the outset from a team that did meet with him and, and knows Ryan Poles well enough to say, like, look, I think there's going to be a, a really smooth connection between those two guys just because of the personality. I think it's more important that Caleb Williams establishes a very, very – instant chemistry with Shane Waldron, you know, who yeah. at the outset of right. his career is going to be the guy that, that he needs to be dialed in with every single day. Thomas Brown is the passing game coordinator is probably on that list as well. And so you want those things to come together uh, in, in the next few weeks, you know, whether it's here in Indianapolis, whether it's when the bears go out to LA, you imagine they're going to have a private dinner with them at some point. You imagine there'll be a, a visit uh, to 1920 football drive in Lake forest at some point. And so that connection has got to build. I had a, a coach tell me that, when you're in this process of, of scouting quarterbacks, you can make all the, the trait lists and the boxes you want to check and, and you have talent and character and everything else that goes with it. Sometimes you just got to be in a room with a guy and say, am I going to enjoy coaching that guy? You know, because this is a, a hard grinding world that you want to feel energized by on an everyday basis as you pursue success. And so um, creating that synergy as early as possible, even before you are, are united as player and team, I think is very important. And I think Shade Waldron is, is going to be a big part of that here in the, in the weeks ahead.